In the last year, interest rates have been climbing steadily, and that's including for businesses. Companies who regularly got low interest rates on loans for their businesses are now being asked to pay two to three times the amount on the same debt from just a couple years ago. So what options does a company have when they want to keep their operations running as smoothly as possible, but need to spend more to pay an inflated interest rate? One option that exists out there, supply chain financing. I'm Scott Leahy, and this is Esker on Air. Today, I'd like to welcome back Dan Reeve, our Director of Sales here at Esker North America. And while we've had someone from LSQ on the podcast before, we do have a new guest here today in Brian Reber, the Vice President of Working Capital Solutions from LSQ. And he's here to help explain how supply chain finance can help in today's world. Dan and Brian, welcome to the podcast. Excellent, Scott. Dan, appreciate the time and, and the invitation. No, thanks for coming along. This will be a, hopefully an interesting conversation, very relevant uh, given what's going on in the market right now, especially relevant uh, in the last six months as the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates and borrowing costs have gone up for, for many. So uh, really timely. Uh, it It is a good time to be in the money business. I'll give you that. Well, like I mentioned, we've we've obviously we've had a, a conversation with LSQ before, but it's our first episode with you, Brian. Maybe share a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do with LSQ. Sure. So, you know, I, our companies have partnered for a while. So, you know, one definitely grateful for the opportunity to celebrate about a bit of what we're working on together. So, I recently joined LSQ after 20 years in finance and AP automation space. Started my career at IBM in, in accounts payable. Uh, subsequent to that, I spent nearly 10 years at American Express uh, doing global payment strategies for their top 150 customers. And over the last decade, I've worked in fintechs, solving the working capital challenges and, and leveraging AP automation. So at LSQ, my, my mandate is focused on helping clients improve liquidity and working capital management across AP and AR. And maybe for those folks who didn't listen to last year's episode, I know speaking for myself, I can always use a reminder here, but what exactly, how would how would you describe what supply chain financing is? So supply chain financing or SCF, simply put, leverages the third party's cash to meet the competing demands of suppliers that want to get paid sooner and buyers who want to delay their payments to help manage working capital. So SCF, has both a technology and a cash component, and thus our partnership with Eskers, you know, highly differentiated in the marketplace today to deliver this. Right? And we can leverage that suite, uh, your Eskers AP automation suite, to really enable buyers to process and approve invoices faster. And approved invoices are the cornerstone of supply chain financing, as it allows LSQ to have confidence paying the supplier early with our cash, because we know the buyers acknowledge the work was done and the supplier will get paid eventually. Right. And this directly aligns with what we're seeing in the marketplace with interest rates and inflation, because SCF is frequently viewed as, you know, quote, free money for corporates when financing their business. Right. So as external interest rates rise, the relatively cheaper cost of money for supply chain financing that we create for both suppliers and buyers creates a lot of value for the organization. Yeah. And so the last time we 
we here at Esker, we spoke to LSQ, it was about a year ago, and that can be a, a pretty long time. A lot can happen in that period of time, especially uh, with with interest rates, what they are, and inflation, and, and all of those financial buzzwords being thrown around. But how has that been affecting the market and maybe people's need for SCF? Sure. So, you know, I think everyday people, we can relate to the idea of rising interest rates and inflation in our daily lives when we see groceries cost more, cars cost more. If you've moved or bought a house recently in the past year, you realize mortgage rates are way higher than they've been in the past 15 years. But what we likely don't think about is what's that impact on corporates? And companies, if we want to think about it from a corporate perspective, Companies typically borrow money to fund their operations, make acquisitions, invest in growth, hire new talent. And over the past 15 years, banks have been pretty eager to lend money with super low interest rates, and companies soaked it all up. And in 2002, the world changed, and quickly. So interest rates jumped up, you know, more than 4% last year alone. And for perspective, they've been roughly the same for the previous 15 years. And so what does this mean in, in real life, right? So in January 2022, you know, corporate interest rates, let's say, were around 1% or 2% a year, and a company that had $100 million in debt might pay at a 2% interest rate. They spent $2 million a year in interest expense. Well, when interest rates went up, you know, to be over, four, over 6% by January of 2023, the company now has to come up with $6 million a year to pay that interest expense to service the same debt they were paying $2 million a year for. Uh, in 22. And it shocked a lot of treasurers and CFOs, and frankly, many were not prepared for it. SCF can help relieve this pain for both buyers and suppliers by bringing cash to the party, right? By paying suppliers early and letting buyers hang on to their cash longer, the result is they both have extra cash that they can use to either pay down their debt or to service that interest expense that, you know, that was not necessarily planned for and snuck up. A lot of other reasons that clients do this, and, and SCF makes sense for both parties, but uh, specific to going on in the trends, this is a major motivation for companies in the past 12 months. And, you know, with those trends in mind, there there are a lot of different kinds of companies out there, obviously, some big, some small, uh, companies with a ton of invoices, some that barely order every month. Knowing all of all of that, you know, would you say that there is an ideal customer out there for supply chain finance? So I think pretty much every company out there can benefit from supply chain financing, right? And it's really a solution that benefits both buyers and suppliers. From a buyer perspective, LSQ focuses on corporates between 100 million and 5 billion plus in annual revenue. And we typically see industries that either manufacture, improve, or sell goods uh, as opposed to services, as you know, the best fit, and that's simply because they just have more working capital tied up in their business. You know, for suppliers, one of the unique attributes of LSQ's SEF solution is that it can work for suppliers of all size and invoice frequency. So, you know, whether they're they're invoicing a couple times a month or a few hundred times a month, uh, we have the capability of servicing them as a supplier on the platform. And this is fundamentally different than a lot of other SEF programs, particularly bank programs, which might be limited to you know, the top five or 10 suppliers of a buyer. So ideal customers, 
are anybody who's looking to drive working capital efficiencies, and they have a lot of reasons why they might want to do that. Uh, and most companies who are fit in that that bill are typically those that deal with goods as opposed to, let's say, a professional services firm. And would you say, you know, how has today's economy altered supplier relations? Uh, and, and how exactly could supply chain finance help with that? Well, the impact on procurement supply chain organizations has been pretty significant, right? And, and it's caused them to focus a lot on balancing the organization's cash needs as well as the financial health of their supply chain. You know, there's there's definitely a, a an opportunity going on in the marketplace right now uh, in the industry where companies are engaging with their suppliers and trying to collaborate more with them uh, to help solve the, the financial problems and make sure that they can grow and continue to support their business as well over time. You know, maybe a good example of how we've seen this uh, relationship between buyers and suppliers and, and managing the financial relationships play out in real life where it didn't necessarily have an, a, a happy ending was at Sears, right? And so we think back with Sears, the, the cost of their cost of borrowing was rising dramatically, right? And this was predominantly driven by their sales challenges, not macroeconomic factors at the time. But the result was the same as what we're seeing today. Right. So suppliers demanded shorter payment terms from Sears at the exact time Sears couldn't afford to pay them faster because it consumed working capital. And Sears conversely wanted to ask for longer payment terms. Well, they didn't have a supply chain financing solution in place. Sears couldn't afford to pay suppliers early. So suppliers protected themselves by reducing the inventory they would sell to Sears. Right. So they didn't get stuck with a bill if they if Sears didn't pay them. Well, that in turn reduced the stock we saw on their store shelves when we walked in the stores. So we all know if we walk in the store and you know for something we need and they don't have it, we just go somewhere else to buy it. And the result in this pretty dramatic case was a rapidly declining situation where Sears didn't have inventory on, to sell, which further reduced sales, which put more pressure on suppliers to provide less inventory until the inevitable bankruptcy happened. SEF would not have solved all of Sears issues, but if they had a program in place, it definitely would have allowed suppliers to get paid sooner, which in turn would allow them to sell more to Sears, which puts more inventory on the shelves, which solves that revenue problem when we walk in the store and we actually have product to buy. So, you know, this translates in, in terms of the financing needs of both buyers and suppliers and, and really drives that collaboration that, you know, our clients seek to make sure they have a healthy supply chain as well as managing their own their own financial situation as well. Well, Dan, I'm kind of curious. Let's let's direct a, a question at you here. What are you hearing out there about supply chain resilience? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, during the middle of the pandemic, procurement leaders and CFOs, CIOs I speak to were telling me, hey, we need to go out there and have the option to use more suppliers. Because what if part A is coming from China or consignment B is coming from China, for example, and we cannot get our hands on it readily. So we need more options. And for many organizations, that's not necessarily an easy thing to onboard a new supplier. There's a whole basket of measures that need to be performed in supplier due diligence. So on one hand, we're finding a lot of organizations say we need to have more suppliers, we need to protect our supply chain, do the right due diligence, make sure we're not dealing with bad actors or folks, for example, who are engaged with countries 
that are you know now banned by the, the, the US government, for example. So we need a mechanism to easily bring on suppliers, make sure we've got audit trails, make sure that they're trained and insured, et cetera. So that's one thing. And many have turned to rescue for supply chain um, onboarding capabilities, supply chain man uh, su supply information management there. But also there is this trend towards supplier uh, due diligence, supply chain diversity, uh, supply chain resilience. Let's make sure we've got good suppliers. Let's make let's make sure we understand if they're a risk to our organization and let's make sure that they have the capital they need. So as we want to grow, let's make sure there's nothing in the way that stops them from buying from us. Yeah, I, Dan, you, you're bringing up excellent points that we frequently hear in the marketplace too, is, uh, you know, there was a history in procurement and supply chain to seek out the lowest possible price you know, for, for a long time, and that may have been overseas. Uh, we find a lot of times now we're having this opportunity with, with clients showing up and saying, you know, we have some local suppliers, um, we'd love to work with them, but they've got to rebuild that business. Right. They, they've got to invest in their business and therefore they want to they want to get paid sooner. We want to help them out uh, or they want to diversify their their supply chain. Right. So they might want to seek out DEI initiatives in the company. That's 100 percent where LSQ and our partnership with Esker can bring value is that it allows us to get that cash into suppliers hands that allows them to grow their own business to better meet the needs uh, of their customers. Uh, and our mutual customers. And that financial stability is is what drives a resilient supply chain and allows them to have redundancy where they need it, to have proximity to suppliers where they need it, um, and, and to have the stability that they need to ensure they protect their own revenue stream for a long time to come. So all of this builds an ecosystem together that you know automation and, and liquidity management, working capital management with LSQ, uh, brings value for our for our mutual clients. And I think a, a common issue that that we've heard a little bit from people, and I, I would imagine that that you have too, is some people will say they they can't take of cannot take advantage of supply chain finance right now because uh, their bank won't allow them to work with another entity. Is that something that that you ran into before? And and if so, how do you normally respond to that? So what you're typically hearing when with this is an objection related to bank covenants and the client who's objecting the prospect who's objecting to this has some assumptions that you know they they're afraid of without knowing how lsq operates um you know importantly a hundred percent of our clients have existing bank relationships and the covenants that go along with those bank relationships and we also have a lot of banks in our network already so who introduce us to their clients on a daily basis right so our, our partner network and in the bank world is pretty substantial. Um, this benefits them because if their clients are managing working capital effectively, the bank's more likely to get repaid on their outstanding loans. And right? so it, it really is in their best interest. So my first response to someone who objects uh, because of the bank is to, is to really disarm them that we don't even know if supply chain financing is a viable solution for them. And, and if they won't benefit from it, it doesn't really matter whether they're allowed to or not. Uh, so once we understand that there's a need, that there's a value that can come back to the companies, we'll work with them to help them understand that our network of funders is pretty broad. Their bank may already participate. Uh, and if not, we're happy to work with their bank to provide the capital for them and they can keep their, their preferred relationships. 
right? And ultimately, I'd reiterate that all of our client, clients, banks benefit from our SEF program. And, and Dan, I'm, I'm curious too, why would a, a payables leader have an interest in, uh, you know, what we've been talking about here, this all this stuff with supply chain finance? Yeah, you know, there's been a trend for a few years. People have been talking about this concept, this, this nirvana of turning uh, accounts payable into a a profit center as opposed to a cost center. And ultimately, there is now this opportunity for the payables leader to, yes, fine tune, optimize the process so that uh, pay, uh, suppliers can be paid early and um, staff can actually be freed up to go and do interesting, more valuable work so they stay and they progress within the organization. But if there's a, there's a more strategic play they can tap into, and that is, the CFO and the treasurer often have goals to improve working capital. So this is a mechanism to improve working capital, to um, to find more more savings, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in in many cases, and it's a means that that those savings can be tied back to the work of the AP department, and can be tied back to to pay for any technology like an ESCA solution, for example. So it's it's really a it's a means to you know self self. It's a solution that pays for itself. That's my take on it, Brian. Of what I've seen, how do you see it? I I would say all of the above. You you definitely hit some of the the key points, right? Uh, I think if I'm an AP manager uh, or an AP director, quite frankly, one of the things I might aspire to do in my career from a development perspective is be a controller. Uh, and continue that learning path. So I think supply chain financing is going to give them an audience at an executive level. And and I don't think we want to lose sight of that motivation and, uh, you know, internal motivation that clients uh, and people may have. I think from a business perspective, this also makes sense because we can create that funding mechanism to reinvest in accounts payable. Right? So most AP leaders I know have a desire to invest in their team invest in the systems and processes that they're they're leading uh, and this will give them a mechanism for doing that with executive sponsorship uh, as it meets other corporate goals too and then the third thing i would say is very tactical but it's meaningful accounts payable is often a thankless job right there is incessant inquiries of where's my check or i got my check but what did what did i get paid for and the partnership with lsq and esker gives AP the ability to provide that visibility both internally and externally that will reduce inquiries into AP, right? When suppliers get paid on time and they use the ability that we we both create uh, to notify them of, of what they're being paid for, there's a lot less phone calls coming in, uh, you know, disrupting the business of both AP and the business of, of the organization who might first take that call with a supplier relationship. So it, it makes life a lot easier, a lot less headaches. And of course, that makes for a happier finance team in AP when they go home at the end of the day. You know, one of the trends we're seeing right now and finance leaders tell me they're really struggling. Previously, you know, before the pandemic, maybe 20%, 25% of the, the AP's time was spent answering questions. When am I going to get paid? And, and how much will I be paid? And what are you paying off? Um, you know, because the, 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 the receivables team on the other end at the supplying organization, they need that. Uh, they need to plan what's going on. They need to plan operations and cash flow. But today, folks are saying, hey, that's at least 30% of our time. We spend all this time 
simply answering, when are you going to pay me? What are you going to pay off? And that's not freeing up our people to go and do the type of work that's really valuable. I let's do some audits. Let's look at where there's friction between our organization. Let's let's free up our staff to go and do so, you know a little project between IT and the business. Uh, where new aha moments are discovered, the, the CFO at Ballholder Cultural used he coined that term. He says, you know, I need to give the staff the time to go and have to think and to examine processes. And before you know it, they'll find an aha moment and say, ah, there's a there's really an opportunity here. So I think it's this all ties back into using technology, not just for savings, but to free up people to do their best possible work, uh, the type of work that they enjoy, and therefore they're more likely to stay and progress within an organization. So the idea here is that companies would have more money on hand by using supply chain financing. What have you seen as common ways companies have used that improved cash flow to their benefit? Yeah. So clients definitely have a lot of motivations for deploying a supply chain financing program, but each company has their own nuances to what's the biggest driver for them. You know, common themes we see are support existing debt obligations, improve liquidity, strengthen their supply chain when they, they really want to make sure their suppliers are doing okay. Uh, they might use this to drive M&A opportunities, right, to support acquisitions um, and gain market share, or simply to meet a working capital initiative or goal that they have at a company level. Yeah, Scott, if I could add something there, I think what finance leaders, CFOs, CIOs, uh, say to me is, or share with us, I should say, is uh, very few seem um, not to have some kind of working uh, capital initiative right now. It seems many are revisiting their processes because uh, they've said, look, we, we, we're not quite sure what's happening here. Feels like we need to lock down the ship again, make sure we're effective. And of course, we need tools and technology to make sure that folks in supply chain, customer service, procurement, um, order management, et cetera, can enjoy their work and they can work remote and they can be efficient, take advantage of technology, AI, et cetera. However, we still need to lock the ship down. And on the, uh, you know, there's, there's three key ways you can improve working capital. One, let's be really efficient in how we receive orders, uh, ship our products, take care of the customer, and then go about collecting our money. So sending the invoice, chasing up the cash, applying the cash. You can focus on uh, making sure that you 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 are highly effective with inventory. Uh, you turn your inventory quickly, or you manage your inventory really well. Yes, because not really doesn't doesn't have a huge play there. Let's be honest. On order to cash, yes, and procure to pay, yes. So there, um, folks say what we're trying to do is make sure we we have a a really good efficient procure to pay process, both to give us visibility as to where our spend is is going, to maybe do more tendering and sourcing. Because that's an opportunity to to improve um, the, the our efficiencies and, our, and 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 find more cost savings by putting more out to tender and introducing more competitiveness. And then we get into this idea of supply chain financing. And folks have said, look, perhaps we want to improve working capital, extend um, DPO, so that our balance actually looks really good. Well, if you're then going to engage in things like dynamic discounting or supply chain financing in particular, I've, you know, the analogy I like to use is the invoice needs to move around the organization at the speed of a thousand gazelles. Because if you're going to try and, you know, ask those suppliers to um, or invite them to take an early payment discount, 
if if it takes forever for the invoice to flow around your organization and get coded and approved, well, the the treasurers at the buying organization, the finance team, they're probably less likely to say, oh, okay, we'll 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 sign up for getting paid early and and taking a discount. You know, they can't do that because that invoice is still stuck in your organization, it hasn't been coded, approved, cleared, posted into the uh, into the ERP, ready to go. So. What we find right now is there seems to be an elevated focus, given the cost of borrowing money has gone up so much, um, because CFOs are saying I need to navigate my organisation through the current times, be prepared for the worst, just focus on improving um, working capital both on order to cash and procure to pay, and that's exactly uh, why folks are uh, sort of turning to us now saying, well, what can you do to help us with the pay piece? Well, now. Esker, obviously an automation company, we've partnered here with LSQ last few years, uh, a supply chain finance company. Why do you need payable automation to make SCF work? And uh, I think we'll we'll start with Dan here, but Brian, uh, feel free to add in with your thoughts as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I was alluding to that a little just there, which is you have to effectively beat the hurdle rate that the treasurer at the buying organization, uh, sorry, wrong, at the supplying organization um, incurs. In other words, everybody has a, a certain amount that you, 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 you pay to borrow money or to have cash flow readily available. So if the invoice moves around, uh, let's pretend there's an organization using ESCO for accounts payable or procure to pay. If the invoice moves around that organization really quickly and is available to be paid within a matter of days, as opposed to standard terms, which might be third, net 30, net 45, net 60. Well, then it becomes more interesting because suddenly that's a way for that, uh, the uh, supplying organization, the treasurer at the supplying organization to bring in cash at a cheaper rate than they might be able to um, have right now. And Brian, would you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I, I think it's a it's a great question, right? And we get asked that all the time when we show up with mutual customers or prospects together, right? And so what I would say is, that in my opinion, LSQ is the best supply chain financing company in the industry. But for us to accelerate cash to suppliers, we need an approved invoice from the buyer. And thus, we decided to partner with the best AP automation company in the industry uh, that delivers a world-class solution, right? Optimize AP and, and working capital and delivers the highest ROI possible for our clients. And the AP automation that Esker provides gives us the ability to pay a supplier as soon as two, three, five days after the invoice has been received. And of course, once we have an approved invoice at LSQ, our, our suppliers are typically paid in a matter of hours, right? And certainly within one business day. And that speed of payment is what drives all of these organizations. So um, this partnership makes absolute sense and drives real value for our CFOs and, and treasurers, um, both their buyers and suppliers, because it allows us to increase visibility, increase control, accelerate the payment to the supplier the maximum amount possible, right? And gives the ability for our buyers to better manage their terms uh, when when they can say to a supplier, you know, we're we're going to consistently pay you early, uh, and the supplier doesn't respond with, well, you've paid me 30 days late for the last five years. How are you going to start paying me early anymore? 
Uh, and now we could say because Esker can deliver that with you. Great chat as always. I think uh, just want to say thank you to Dan and Brian for being guests here today. Uh, if you have any questions or are interested in learning more about LSQ and their relationship with us here at Esker, you can always find contact information in the show notes. As always, if you're interested in learning more about Esker directly, you can find us at Esker.com. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah.